Adolescence after Alderaan. I'm Caroline Guthrie. I'm Meg Ferriello. We are back from our unexpected hiatus. I guess maybe we had a season a season break. Yeah, we, we are <laughs> in, the, in the middle of a trilogy. We're just like, hey. <laughs> season, we left on a, a mid-season cliffhanger. <laughs> no. I mean, I'm not going to guarantee that we're back in like... A stable way. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? But we're back. We came yeah. back. You know, like we're always. We've said it before. Like yeah. we're always coming back. We're always coming back. Yeah. You know, like we're busy. There's a lot of pressure on, but we're always coming back. back. This is yeah. a lot of fun. We'll we in. have we have a lot of joy, and we hope that you enjoy hearing from us. Yeah. So. Even though we're not consistent. <laughs> not at all. But you know, eventually, every now and then, here we are. Yeah, so. We're here. This is not the continuation no. of the Young Jedi Knights books we were reading. They, we'll they do anything to not finish that. Yeah. No. This is not that. No. No, this is a special episode to discuss the last film in the Star Wars, the, whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, the they're going to make... The Skywalker Saga, yeah. the Star Wars Saga, the yeah. conclusion of the Star Wars, Star Wars saga, saga, the numbered, the numbered Star Wars movies movie. that started in 1977 and ended in 2019. Yeah, it was a long, a long journey. So I saw this movie on opening night. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah, which I guess was about a month ago. It was before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then you oh, saw it, like, like a week I or two it, later. I saw it the Sunday after it opened. Yeah. I, um, I saw it on a Sunday morning. So we both saw it about a month ago. About a month ago, yeah. And I was thinking today that I don't remember a lot. I was thinking that, too. I was like, I used to have more opinions about this movie than I do now. Yeah. Yeah, I have less opinions. Um, Which is a minority opinion amongst Star Wars fans, because I keep an eye on our Twitter account, and I've noticed a lot of opinions. Yeah, I, yes. I, I think, in general, the fan a lot of, has a lot of opinions. A yeah, lot I of strongly held opinions. As I've gotten older, I have less opinions, and those opinions are less strong. Yeah. I feel like, I don't remember which one it was, but in one of his specials, Patton Oswalt has a joke about that, that, like, yeah. he's like, now that I'm older, like, I don't hate any music. Like, there's music I don't like. Right. But I don't yeah. hate yes. any yeah. of it. Right. And I'm kind of like that. I mean, there's there's things I could hate, like, while I was watching them. Right. But there's but very few song. things yeah. that I, like, carry around my anger for. Yeah. There's a few things, but not yeah. that. <laughs> not that, yeah. Not that not many. That, yeah. And this movie did not make the cut. It's not, no. it did not rise to the level of Kevin Costner Robin Hood, which no. is one of yeah. the things that I actively <laughs> carry around hatred for. Yeah, <laughs> How dare they? How dare they? But also I, Christian Slater. I, I a, mean, yes. Yes. And you Alan Rickman. It has a crazy performance. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to enjoy in Alan Rickman's performance, and I feel like that is what people usually offer as their defense of the movie, because yeah. there's no defending Kevin Costner's oh, performance. No, certainly not. And there's really no con- defending the way they, like, reconfigure the story. No, and, and there's, there's really no, no defending-, defending Christian Slater either. I just love <laughs> No, there's no defending Christian Slater, <laughs> even though he's adorable. <laughs> and there's no defending, like... The fact that there's a witch. <laughs> yeah. I like, I also like, this is a tangent. <laughs> We're going down. I also like watched, that movie was like on Netflix and I had it on like in the background while I was doing stuff. Like not that long ago, like maybe four years ago. And I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> 
That movie does not stick in my head. Okay. It falls the one time, out. <laughs> the one time I saw this movie was in my global studies class what? during my freshman year of high school. My wow. teacher showed us the Kevin Costner Robin Hood. It was like a two-parter, two classes in a row. We watched like part one and two. Have to be three classes because that's not. Ke- I'm sure she cut some stuff <laughs> out of it, but like the only thing that I remember that she edited was the part where Christian Slater says like "fuck" or something. Like she took that. Yeah. She skipped that. That's the only part. Because <laughs> there's, the there's a lot of concerning stuff in that movie. That just <laughs> I was so mad the whole time we were watching it, but like that movie. I mean, Robin, uh, Alan Rickman's having a great time, um, and he's is. he's performing to the back of the theater, right? Yeah. He's putting it he's putting it all out there and playing to the back of the uh, of the balcony. But it also, and I don't blame him. Like it was a different time, and he was starting out in his career. But he participates in a comedic rape scene in yeah. that movie. It, yeah, it, there's like I said, a lot of concerning stuff. There is a rape that is played for comedy. Comedy, yeah. That. It's also part of this, like, thing in the 90s, which I guess persists a little bit, but, like, a thing in the 90s where when they were, like, trying to establish that women were badass, they just made them, like, psychopaths. So, like, yeah. Robin will, like Robin Hood, like, goes to Maid Mary in the store and is like, knock, knock, anybody home? And she just tries to murder him. Like, yeah. <laughs> Also, I think the Ku Klux Klan is in it. Like, I couldn't swear to it, but I'm pretty sure that movie has the Ku Klux Klan or, like... Oh. Like a Ku Klux Klan thing. Like I think the Sheriff of Nottingham might be in the Ku Klux Klan. And who, who plays the? Sh- oh, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman, yeah. And then there's a dumb, dumb Uggo yeah. who's Guy of Gisborne, who's his cousin in this version. Who plays Guy of Gisborne? <laughs> <laughs> That's not someone I know. Movie just like does not stay with me. It's. I feel like. I don't think this is original. I think I read this somewhere, but like Kevin Costner seems so bored the whole movie. Yeah. Like his version of Robin Hood seems like he's constantly like just remembering things he needs to pick up at the grocery store. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> now I got to get this thing. And like, oh, <laughs> we're out of bagels too. Okay. Like, <laughs> a lot of my understanding of that movie also comes from Robin Hood Men in Tights. I think it is foundational to Robin Hood Men in Tights, which it may is. be why that's one of my least favorite Mel Brooks movies. Yeah. It's that and. Uh, I mean, it's all the Robin Hoods, but that one is a big... Right, that's where they get the British accent joke. Big, and... Yeah, part of it. Which I enjoyed. I, like, I watched Robin Hood Men and Tights way before I watched Robin Hood. I watched Dracula Dead and Loving It incessantly years and years before yeah. I saw the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula, which they directly reference. Yeah. Way more than they reference the original, the 1930s one. Yeah. Which I also don't love the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula, but it's no Kevin Costner Robin Hood. No, that's true. But they haven't made a good Robin Hood movie since the Fox one. Like, they just can't do it for some reason. I don't yeah. know. It's like the King Arthur story, too. It's like very yeah. hard to make a good very hard version of it. Is there a good version of the King Arthur story? I, I maintain that there isn't. <laughs> I've thought about it. <laughs> There, I haven't seen Excalibur. It's, I mean, it's like, it's not great. No, no, I can't think of one that's like no. really well done. There, I don't no, think I, there is one. I can't think of one. Maybe I feel about this Star Wars movie the way I feel about King Arthur movies in general. <laughs> Which is, I mostly don't remember it, but I don't think it was very good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fair. So, this movie, I mean, okay, I don't even know how we want to, like, handle this. So, we're going to assume that everyone saw the movie, right? right. Like, spoiler alert. Spoiler alerto. I enjoyed the movie reasonably well in theaters, even though I got real mad at it because they did the Ray Palpatine thing. I'm a big thumbs down on the Ray Palpatine thing. Um, Like, I hate that. I hate that choice. That's so stupid. That would be like, that would be, that's like if in Return of the Jedi, they had been like, oh no, Darth Vader's not your father. Owen was your biological father. (laughs) It's just like a completely different thing for no reason. Right. So like, I don't like that. And I hated Ray in the movie. 
Yeah. Like, I want someone to put a leash on her. She just kept, like, staring into the middle distance and wandering off when everyone was trying to get important stuff done. Like, yeah. that was annoying. Um, But I did overall, I think, enjoy the theatrical experience of it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fun enough to watch. Um, And there were a couple of moments that really worked for me and then a couple of moments that really didn't. Yeah. But... The residual feeling I have is, like, kind of cold. Yeah. Like, I never – I I don't – I can't really see myself watching it again. Yeah, I'm on the same page with that. I feel and, like I agree with everything. I, I don't think I enjoyed the theatrical experience as much as I wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> because I think I figured out pretty quickly in the beginning of the film what was – coming yeah. down the road <laughs> right the sort of setup of, of the ray palpatine story and there were a lot of MacGuffins that i was not it was about it was it was very MacGuffin-y and very difficult to invest in yeah. the objects i mean i liked i liked a lot of the stuff with kylo ren i thought adam yeah. driver gave a fabulous performance yeah he, he was he was great. Uh, when Han appeared to him, that was one of the big moments that actually really worked for me because yeah. it was very unexpected for me. I thought that Luke was going to talk to him because Luke had the whole like, I'll be seeing right. you kid thing. Yeah. That was just a big old JK. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Won't be seeing you. Uh, I didn't expect Han to show up because I know how Harrison Ford is. Yeah. And so... That was lovely. That was a very nice scene between yeah. them. And then when he became, like, good again, yeah. his sort of, like, sassy Ben Solo stuff, yeah. I liked. I wanted, to, I wanted some explanation of the Knights of Ren, because I felt like... Oh, yeah, I thought that was going to be a thing that was... A explained. thing? Yeah. And then they were not explained. And also, they all fought him when he went to Palpatine. I was like, look, if he's Kylo Ren, and these are the Knights of Ren... Let's get some hierarchy established yeah. because I feel like you should just be able to be like, we're not doing this. Are all of them named Ren, though? See, I don't know. <laughs> that would have been something. <laughs> that are they been... all Ren? I mean, they probably are all like Rens. Darth. Yeah, but surely they have a ranking system. I guess. Like, yeah. They're yeah, n- that was not. They're not a Ren communist collective. Someone's in charge. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that it's him, though. He seems to have, have speared he's away. Never, he's never in charge of himself for very long. No, or anything, really. No. I did oh. like... That is one thing I like. I like the Hux. I liked the Hux. The Hux of H- it all. Hux is the traitor was a very good that was a reveal. Great, yeah. I didn't expect... I mean, when he when he was like, get out, I'm going to execute them all by myself, it was like, oh, he's the spy. But right. up until then, I hadn't thought he was the spy. And... Donald Gleason or Donald Gleason really sold that hard. He was yeah. also singing it to the rafters. Like, yeah, it was a pretty. I wish they hadn't killed him so quickly after. Right. I would have loved to have, for him to have kept being the spy for a while. Also, it's amazing he got away with being the spy for as long as he did because he's right. like the shadiest, right. least <laughs> sneaky dude ever. I mean, as soon as they like, they, what's his face, uh, put it together pretty quick. Oh, yeah, that Richard Richard E. Grant, right? That's yeah, Richard E. Grant was like, okay, this is pretty. Yeah. Writing's on the wall here. Yeah. Um, Got this. Yeah, so I liked Hux. I liked the Hux stuff. I liked Richard E. Grant. I guess all the Imperial stuff was okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was everything else. I mean, everybody's already talked about how bad it is they took Rose out of the movie, but it is bad that it they took really Rose bad, out of the and movie. I was very upset. I was really unhappy about that. Um, I didn't think the Carrie Fisher stuff worked. Like, I, I understand that either. Like I understand why they wanted to make it work with her there, but they didn't have the footage. It just it did not work. Work, yeah. And I think like I don't know if I've talked about this with you, but like I think just because we have the technology to do that stuff doesn't mean we should all the time. No, and it's very. It feels super weird, especially with someone who passed 
so recently. So recently. And to me, like, there was a way to make that story work and to for it to be emotionally impactful without without that. Like, we didn't need no footage. No, especially because I feel like – I mean, I feel like it would have been better – to have Leia have passed right, in between. between movies and to just try to use what footage you have or maybe just using like voice stuff yeah. that you have to maybe do a she's reaching out through the force to people once right. or twice. But, you know, we get a memory. But like, I did not like the way that they used her. It didn't. It really doesn't make sense. It really doesn't yeah, work. Like the myth- and- the mythology of how it happened didn't work. Like I didn't even understand like why she within the within the logic of the movie died. Like yeah. she used the force to like talk to Ben for a second. Right. It was and then, yeah yeah. I, there was a lot of that. I think sure. Like and then like her body didn't Jedi disappear for a really long time, uh, which was yeah. also weird. It was very weird, and it made you super aware. Of the fact that, like, she was gone and they were scrambling around it. Like, the Fast and Furious movie that Paul Walker died during the production of. Like, that was, like, the masterclass in how to... to deal with it. How to do this. And I think they're trying to, like, do something sort of similar. Right. But it just didn't work. And, like, I love Carrie Fisher. Yeah. And had a lifelong attachment to her as an individual and as her character. And I'm sure Paul Walker was a lovely, lovely man, but I didn't have a big investment in him as a public figure. But, like, when we watched Fast and Furious 7, I sobbed. I was was a wreck. The song, the the smiling out the window, the cars going down the door. Oh, my God. I was destroyed because it was so well done and so heartfelt and so sincere i still get choked up when i hear that song oh my god it's like yeah it's definitely it was beautiful it was beautiful like from a sort of corny actiony franchise you do not expect that level of just like emotional truth and pureness and it was gorgeous and i adore carrie fisher and i felt really cold whenever i saw her like I wasn't like, oh, I hate her. I but I was just like, this feels weird. Yeah. It feels weird and wrong and bad. Every time she was on screen, I was just like, it felt it didn't feel like a loving tribute. It felt like a sort of like, oh well, let's yeah. just use what we have. Right. We have to get something up there. We so have to get something thing. in there. It felt much more like trying to like perpetuate a franchise than to like honor a memory. Yeah. Even though they're both franchises. If this one it didn't feel like and it felt like the way that they chose to end her story was kind of like a betrayal of her story. Like the way that Leia was in that due to the, yeah, cons- you know, the limits was not how Leia was. Right. And sort of narratively, like, I think, you know, I, in the way, the same way with like Han and Luke, right. That like, and this is maybe bringing up like a larger problem with the sort of narrative arc of these three films, but that like those characters are stepping back. Right. That like, right. They're stepping back and these newer characters are stepping forward and the sort of forcing of Carrie Fisher's image into this movie and her forcing her into a sort of like large role to me seemed like counterintuitive to that. Yeah. And and narratively, like, you know, she passed away. Like, I think it was it would have been okay to not to, to do something where she as like, obviously, her character sort of like haunts this entire franchises like Luke and Han's character, but I didn't see the reason to have her there. No. Like, training Ray, like, uh, that didn't make sense to me. No. None of it really made any sense at all. Like, anything with all the stuff with Carrie Fisher was just kind of yikes. And then they have that, like, weird flashback where it's like the reason Leia didn't train in the Force was because she thought if she trained in the Force, like, it would lead to the death of her son, but, like, it still did. And, like, yeah. it was all really confusing. Yeah. And, I mean, at the heart of this, I think both of our criticism of this movie is the same criticism that we have for the worst expanded universe. Stories. Yes. It was the most like the expanded universe of any Star Wars movie. Yeah. We've just got like people zipping all over the galaxy looking for 
objects. Right. Like there's bouncing around. Giant a fleet of giant super weapons that kind of comes out of nowhere. Right. The Emperor's trying to possess somebody. There's a the lot The Emperor has a sexual life. The Emperor has a sexual life. I still don't approve of. Have eight million questions about that. Yeah. Like. And the and the the sort of like biggest criticism I have is which like goes into the sort of like skipping over of Last Jedi as like a movie at all is that idea of like there are only like five people in the galaxy who are important. <laughs> right and And we're gonna bump into all of them we're gonna bump into all of them and they're all related and like that's it right yeah which is like so against what and like i know there's a lot of conflict like i think critically overall obviously the last jedi i think was more well received yes but there's a lot of like criticism of last jedi and i don't necessarily think it's a perfect film but like i enjoy last jedi in a way that i do not enjoy did not enjoy Rise of Skywalker. And part of the reason I enjoyed Last Jedi is, like, it's honoring the sort of spirit of Star Wars, but also trying, whether it succeeds or not, to do something different. Yes. Right? To sort of criticize the character. I mean, the way in which, like, Luke is portrayed, right, is sort of, like, very critical of this character. Um, Ryan Johnson does, I think... I think does a pretty good job of like playing with the humor of Star Wars and like poking fun at it through like its own tropes, right? But like the most powerful thing I think about The Last Jedi is the ending, right? Where it sort of suggests that like Rey isn't the like savior of the galaxy, right? That there are other children, other characters who possess, who can possess the force, right? That this is not just on one person's you know, faded shoulders, right? That like, yeah, and like that's the last scene, or at least to me, my interpretation of the last scene in the Last Jedi is like that, right? Yeah. But this film, Rise of Skywalker, just like you know, in the same way that it sort of like completely ignores the character of Rose, right? It ignores like all of that, which yes. would be fine if Last Jedi wasn't a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if it was Force Awakens and then Rise of Skywalker, sure. there's a, not that much. Actually, that would work. Catching up on. No, that would work. It would just work. Yeah. the I mean, you could just say, like, oh, yeah, Rey goes to the island with Luke there, and, like, Luke died the next week. And so <laughs> or she the next day. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> she, hold, she held out the lightsaber, Luke. And Luke was like, dead. no, no, no. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> he dropped dead, so she went back to Leia, and then you get the right. Rise of Skywalker. So there's no, like, I think Rise of Skywalker only works if you do not have Last Yes. Jedi. And maybe that's what they wanted, is to sort of ignore It just goes, Last like, Jedi. against all of the rules of, like, writing and stuff for, like, to spend a whole movie essentially, like, repudiating the previous, previous movie. movie. Right. Or And, like, it really, there were scenes, and now I can't remember them, because I don't remember this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Much like I do not remember <laughs> any movie. Um... But I remember thinking there were scenes in the beginning of the movie, like lines, that was literally them being like, oh, that doesn't matter. Like, yeah. and I, it, it had to do with the MacGuffin and the like object stuff, I think. Right. But there were literal scenes that it, that like the way it was written, it, you could tell that was just them being like, oh, forget, forget yeah, that. Yeah, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. That was that movie. We're not dealing with this. Yeah, we're not doing movie. that. Um, and so, like, that was really frustrating. As just, yeah. like, thinking of this as, like, a tr- trilogy or even just, like, you know, as nine movies laid out, right? You know, a lot of which are imperfect. <laughs> but, like... More are more imperfect are than not. Not at this point. That is true. If that's what you were going to do, then why even pretend that it was going to be anything... What blows my mind the most, honestly, is that they, Disney was like, okay, we've bought Star Wars. Let's go. Yeah. J.J. Abrams, kick us off. 
Ryan Johnson, your turn. J.J. Abrams, back to you. (laughs) And it was just like, write whatever movie you feel like writing. Like, there was no plan. Right. There was no, like, arc. There was no Kevin Feige figure. Like, shouldn't there be someone who's like, yes, you person we hire, you write it, you put your stamp on it, but, like, here's what we've worked out, right? Like, here's where we want it to go. Here's what we're looking for. It seems like maybe the... So, I don't know if I sent you this article, but there was an article, I think it was AV Club, and it was, like, a treatment of... Oh, I forget his name. Colin. The guy who was... Yeah, who's gonna direct this movie. Yeah. Then they threw back to J.J. after Last Jedi. He had, like, a treatment for the film, and I don't remember... I can't remember it. (laughs) (laughs) I was up at four this morning. But, like... It made a lot of sense in terms of, like, Force Awakens, Last Jedi, okay, if those are the two movies we're moving from, right. like, a third movie, and it didn't have the Palpatine stuff, or maybe it had, like, reference to Palpatine, but, like, not the... But it wasn't... There was no Ray Palpatine. No. And it sort and of I, made sense. And it yeah, seems to me that, like, the sort of, like, pushback of fans on The Last Jedi... Yeah. Like, they got scared and they chickened out. Yeah, I think that is what happened. I mean, I think that that's very clear that that's what happened. And it seems so odd because The Last Jedi was critically acclaimed and made a billion dollars. And, like, it seemed like to me, I don't know, you know, and we talked about this, I think, maybe over, I don't know, maybe this was a lot more than this summer, the summer before, about um, the actress who plays Rose getting, right, like, trolled online and quitting Instagram because it was so terrible and like I don't think that that's the majority of like those voices are obviously very loud yeah but the people most people I talked to about Last Jedi enjoyed that movie like you know I I, I've heard criticism of it on like other podcasts and stuff but not like hatred like you know I I... no and I mean I was like Thing other. Oh, yeah, like, ugh. lately, it's, like, movie studios are very afraid of, like, online criticism, but in, like, the weirdest ways. Right. So, like, the, the decision to uh, improve the CGI on cats and send, like, a patched yeah. version of cats <laughs> to the theater. Like, it's done. We're it's, done now. It's over. <laughs> the movie is out. And, like, yeah, what are you no one who said that the C- no one who pointed out how bad the CGI looked on the first go around is going to have their minds changed or go yeah. see it again because and the also, CGI like, is a little not better the now. Problem with that and movie. That's not the issue here, or right. like the fact that they like pulled Sonic out of right. You know, fi- out of final phases and like redid all of the like visuals because everyone like made fun of the trailer. Like, yeah. that doesn't mean they're all gonna go see Sonic now just because you made it look better. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's, there's, the reaction you cowards seems very strange. And so I was thinking this is gonna get real nerdy. All right, <laughs> real let's do fast. it. <laughs> real cultural studies nerdy. But Ooh. I was thinking about it today, trying to think about what to say about these movies. And I was thinking about nostalgia. Mm-hmm. That's something I write about and think about a lot. And to me, like, Last Jedi, Force Awakens, they sort of fall into that, like, so there's this critic of nostalgia, Svetlana Boim, who talks about, like, restorative and reflexive nostalgia. And restorative nostalgia is the idea that, like, the past was a perfect place that, like, we want to go back to, right? And we want to, like, recreate Right, like the thing that you long for truly existed, existed right, and so could be created and could be re recreated. Right. Like if if only you know if only people valued family more, if only people right. you know had family dinner. If only, I'm all thinking of all family based stuff because it right. ends up being a lot of that. Right. But like right. this idea that like the past. If only was- we didn't have so many people from Ohio moving to our city. Like if only we could you know we could change things back. And it right. actually would be the same. It's the same, right? Or that it was that perfect thing to begin with, right? Like yes. It, it was It was not. Main Street USA. Right. It was Leave it to Beaver. Like, that. those are documentaries, and we could have it back. Right. And then reflexive nostalgia is this idea that, like, nostalgia is a process, right, where you're sort of, like, reflecting on the past, right, where it's more critical engagement, right? And, like, you know right. consciously that, you that what you miss wasn't 
really there. Right. That, like, you're missing the idea of it, not what it actually, actually was. was. Right. That, like, if you actually went back, right, it would not be how you remembered it, right? Because right. Like, that's even not how memory works. Or got in the time machine and went to 1995, like, your childhood bedroom would not feel in that – would not feel the right. way it does in your yeah. memory right. because – it's laden with all of this kind of significance right. in your memory. And so, like, I was thinking about those two types of nostalgia and thinking about the ways in which, like, a film like Force Awakens and Last Jedi sort of approach Star Wars, right? Where Force Awakens, sure. you know, I think a lot of the critics of Force Awakens say that, like, it's just sort of a return. Right. It's just a rehash of, of a new hope. Of a new it's hope. a new hope. Right. That there's told nothing again. different there. Right. Um, which I'm not sure I 100% agree with, but I do see like that, like Force Awakens to me is a much more nostalgic right. film. Whereas like Last Jedi to me has that more reflexivity to it where it's like commenting on the things in which you sort of, like Luke as a character, right? Luke's right. got this like grumpy old, <laughs> old man who is like angry and frustrated, right? And so like, it's bringing you back to that Luke, right? And I, I, we talked a lot about this when we talked about Last Jedi, how, like, to us, it sort of makes sense that, like, the Luke of the original trilogy turned into that Luke. <laughs> totally. I mean, if we're going along these lines, which I really like this, this train of thought. Good. I was like, I don't know if this makes sense. <laughs> no, no, it totally makes sense. But what I would, what I would posit is yeah. that The Force Awakens was a sort of careful reflexive nostalgia piece like not especially critical of nostalgia but but like happily nostalgic but thoughtfully engaged with that nostalgia the idea that like the story as we remember it is a sort of heightened version like it is true but it wasn't exactly that that there are layers of emotional complication Han and Leia bad parents blah blah so like there's nostalgia but there's also growth and change and the idea that like it's yeah. different than it was. Well, it also feels like Force Awakens feels like a jumping off point, right? right? That like we 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 acknowledge this nostalgia for this older thing, and we want to like grow and move right in a different direction. And then the Last Jedi feels like anti nostalgic. Yes, like that it is so forcefully saying what you expect based on the past, what you would like to revisit, is not right, available. Not, right to you right this dj guy is not actually a lovable rogue he's really just out for himself luke's not a starry-eyed hero he's like angry and faded and i mean he does come through and do the right thing but like then he has to like sacrifice and it's like a rejection of nostalgia right right? that that history is gone and then everybody lost their minds right and then the rise of skywalker is a fully like restorative nostalgia piece right wow we got real nerdy yeah, I know, no, but I it's like, but there's like an arc to it. It's there is like an you, arc to it, yeah. you can you can get away with being. I think you could have done all three reflexively nostalgic, but once you did anti-nostalgia and you like upset the people who were really like protective of their nostalgia, then it felt like Disney felt like they had to go like full restorative nostalgia. Right. To, like, we're so like, sorry. <laughs> we're so sorry. Like it can be 1977 again, right? right. And right. like it just can't. You can never, never be eight seeing Star Wars for the first time, right? Again. Yeah, you can never go Just home. Just Yeah, like and and you know, I I you know, I think we are two fans and viewers who appreciated what Last Jedi was trying to do. I, you know, say all the time that like I want the movie to like surprise me. I want yeah. it to do the, what I didn't even know I no, wanted it to do, yeah. which is why I, I don't like to try to guess what a movie is going to be like before it comes out because I don't want to have a ton of expectations. I want them to just like come up with something. And the parts I enjoyed about The Rise of Skywalker were the parts that surprised me, but they were few and far between. Right. Um, so like when when, when Ray went to throw the lightsaber into the bonfire, I knew that Luke was going to grab it right. in Force Ghost form. And I knew that someone was going to use the force to raise the X-Wing out of the water, just like on Dago. I was just surprised that they actually had Luke do it. I thought Luke was going to coach Ray to do it, but it was so restorative and nostalgic that Luke had to raise the X-Wing. And there were some other very predictable things. And it also, like, was just constantly, like, 
backing away from having real stakes. So they're yeah. like, we, we're going to have to wipe C-3PO's memory, but like his memory is backed up on R2 and it's like totally it's fine. Yeah, don't worry or about. like this planet blew up, but like the only characters on the planet that you like left it before it blew up. So like yeah. it's totally fine. Um, and I will say in the EU, Carrie Russell's character would be 100% dead. They would yeah, not yeah. have saved her. No, no, the no. EU <laughs> would bump characters off. Yeah. Well, that was the other thing too is like, there was a lot of introducing of like new characters at a very late. It's very late. It's very late. Like I, I was, was surprised at Jedi. How- Jedi doesn't really introduce. They introduce like the Ewoks and like, but not a major. No, there's no new person like added to the core cast. That, like we're asked to have an emotional right. Statement. I also thought it was very strange the emphasis on like. Finn, Ray, and Poe as like a trio. And I remember in the run up to it, people even talked about them as like the trio in the same kind of yeah. way that like Han, Luke, and Leia were a tri- trio. But like just because Han, Luke, and Leia were a core three doesn't mean that it has to be a core three. No. In this new one. Yeah. And I, I do remember reading about, you know, people saying that like, oh, they're not spending enough time. Like, I want to see all three of them together. And I'm like, well, Luke, Leia, and Han don't spend, like, in the first movie, like, I mean, they're really half the, not even half the movie. I mean, really, if you want to be technical, in all three of the original movies, Han, Luke, and Leia are almost never Never together. together. Because in the first movie, get just Luke and everyone's scattered, and then Luke and Han are together, and then they rescue Leia, they're together for, like, a couple minutes, minutes, and even on the Death Star, they split up, and Han and Chewie go one way, and Luke and Leia go the other way. They get together on the Millennium Falcon, and they go to the Yavin 4, but then Han leaves, Leia stays, Luke is in the X-Wing, they're together again at the end, Empire, right away, split off. The whole movie. Return whole movie return of the jedi meet back up at the beginning go to indoor but then luke is just then leia wanders off she comes back and luke's like i'm gonna go up to the death star for the rest of the movie like they're almost never together all three together like like there are more strong relationship dynamics like every every, all the different configurations have have like distinct relationships in there and strong connections but like it doesn't have to be that. No, it doesn't, it's, it's not. It's not important that you have three people who spend all their time together, right. like, who are best friends, like, who are best friends and obsessed with each other. Yeah, it's okay that. Yeah, because like it really felt, and that like is one of the things at the beginning, right? It felt really forced that they're like, oh, we have to all go together, and like it doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah, why is it? In, why would why? you all go together? <laughs> Also, and this is another EU thing where droid ownership gets confusing to me, but like, oh, yeah. why was BB 8 with Ray on, on Tatooine at the end? He's 100%. A, he's 100% Poe's droid. Poe was like, even like yelling at her at the beginning for yeah. not like taking good enough care of BB 8 while he was gone. Yeah. Poe loves that droid so much. There's a lot of interesting droids, though, in the newer films that yeah. does not get. that the EU also tries to tackle yeah to varying degrees of six like the this little i completely forgot until just now that little droid the oh little, the little uh the little droid that says no thank you yeah he's like traumatized droid i forgot um, about him so thoroughly that when you first said little <laughs> droid i thought you were talking about the little baba freak dude who turns <laughs> off through yeah. Pio's memories and i was like i don't think that was a droid <laughs> Yeah, the little the, the little emotionally traumatized droid, yeah, which like, like really why are upsetting. we why are we building droids that can get emotionally traumatized? Well, that's a Star Wars question though. Yeah. We just like in <laughs> just like in Return of the Jedi, it's like why are you building droids that feel pain? Like why are you yeah, building why, why droids that get tortured? Yeah. We yeah, we could I mean the the E V ninety nine story. Oh, classic. Yeah. Well speaking of which, and I don't know how much we want to get into this, if at all. Um, mm-hmm. But I watched all of Mandalorian this past weekend. Woo! And you watched the finale, so you I know did. what happened. <laughs> I do. But and we can maybe talk about this more in another episode if you want. But I think like what doesn't work about Rise of Skywalker 
works so well. Like, like it was so great. Mandalorian was so, and I we had talked about this when we talked about the past D twenty three. I think yeah that we were both like not super psyched about. They really sold it as just like very grim. And I was texting you this, but I think like I think which I was great to hide Baby Yoda as like a surprise thing. Yeah, but I but if if Baby Yoda was in the promotional. <laughs> Right. It would have changed. Because the tone of Mandalorian, like, if it is gritty. It is definitely, like, a play on, like, a space western. Like, it's very, it's a lot of fighting and a lot of, like, you know, dusty planets. But at the heart of it is this, like, relationship between the Mandalorian and this baby Yoda, which is so pure and so, like, <laughs> light and adorable and there's like such a like a sense of fun about Mandalorian that it is not so, bogged down by like we have to finish this like you know story yeah. for the ages that it is its own thing that its ties to the larger narrative are so vague and you know yeah like they don't even really like talk about or no, no one knows or understands the force like right it is it is very um and to me it is the best of what like the, the part best. where carl weathers tells the baby to do magic hands yeah. like... <laughs> my sister and i keep talking about how we can't think of carl weathers other than arrested development oh my god i was thinking that too i was like expecting like <laughs> Expecting Tobias to be right on camera. (laughs) I was definitely thinking of Arrested Development the whole time. But, like, the scene where the two stormtroopers are, like, sitting on their speeder bikes waiting for the signal to go in. And they keep radioing. It's like, can we come in? And they're like, oh, no. There's a new grand moth. Like, he just killed a ton of guys to make a point. Like, it's gonna be a while. (laughs) No, the moth, like, just killed someone for interrupting. Like, to get, like, that... Yeah, it's like the sort of, it was, om- it was almost like a it was almost like a robot chicken kind of sense of humor. Yeah, or like I was like thinking, looking at the behind the scenes of the guards. Yeah, like a Rosenkrantz and or the guards in Macbeth that scene where they're yeah. like, just like talking. Like it was like Shakespearean, like <laughs> Shakespearean yeah, it was, and but so funny and like exactly and then they like what, tried to shoot at the target and they can't <laughs> hit it. Right, the stormtroopers. Yeah, but like it's it is. The humor and the sort of like sense of fun and yes, not but at the same itself. time, when that Taika Waititi droid was like, oh "I am God. not a living thing," I, <laughs> I took off his helmet. Nope. <laughs> I was like, yeah, there's such an emotionality to it. Like, it and feels, when he sacrificed himself, he's like, "There's oh no God. reason to be sad. Like, right, I'm like, not I'm a living thing. Yeah, I'm just a droid." Yeah. I'm I'm just like, I'm not sad. And he's like, "Yes, you are. Like, I know you are." And it was just like, it's amazing and it's so well done and. Like I, it's not a perfect show by a long shot, but I think I that is what I want. I definitely felt more joy and joy and emotion. emotion. I feel way more in the Mandalorian. In the Mandalorian than I do to Rise of Skywalker, which is a shame. I didn't like creepy puppety Palpatine. No, I did not care for that. I don't like his. Of all the tubes he was attached to. I didn't with. like the tubes. Also, apparently everyone in the stadium was supposed to be like the ghosts of all the Sith Lords of the past I or something. Get that. But I thought they were just like fans. So I got a football game. <laughs> I thought this was just like the culture of this planet. They had like foam <laughs> fingers. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like where did all these guys come from yeah i didn't why understand there, that at all why are there this many i did like when kylo slash ben pulled the lightsaber out from behind his back and did the cute little shrug i felt like that was yeah. a good pay- i felt like that was a good payoff i mean for, i like, like the whole movie of adam driver doing stuff adam driver was great He's the way he there. delivered that line owl was yeah. just yeah. He was great. I felt like he was the only one who was great. Because like when I think back to The Force Awakens and Oscar Isaac's performance in The Force Awakens, he was just like charm and oh, fun yeah. and confidence and joy. And he seemed like so angry and weighed down yeah. in this movie. Like they didn't let him be fun. He was just like a big old grumpy gump. Yeah. In- 
you know, Finn didn't get to do anything except be obsessed with Ray, which was also kind yeah. of a bummer. It yeah. just seemed like everyone got reduced to their relationship to the most important character. Yeah, that was one thing I was thinking about today, too, trying to think about stuff to talk about, is that I, I feel like Poe and Finn just do not have personalities. No, they get Rise of Skywalker. They get really flattened out in Rise of Skywalker in a way that, like, in Force Awakens, you felt like you said charmed by them, and um... there was just so much like connection and vulnerability, and they were like they had a lot. They were very multi layered, yeah, and they felt very like perfunctory. Everything felt like it was just in service of Rays of getting to like the end of a story. And I mean, if you compare it, I guess. To the original trilogy movies, like the Rise of Skywalker is obviously like has way more impressive special effects and is, you know, probably yeah. better acted, honestly, and is, you know, sure. very sort of slickly produced and everything. But like, there's not the joy. I just I feel like even yeah. though in the original trilogy, you could you, you could see the seams, you could see the silliness, you could see that like, they didn't 100% know what they were doing. But like, they were out there making a movie that they cared about. Yeah. and They were excited to make. Yeah. And I just feel and like I also think like, and I I've thought this in the past, I don't know if we talked about this on here, but like, George Lucas didn't direct. No, Return of the Jedi or Empire Strikes Back. No, and, like, he didn't. You know, I think for the better. For the better. Of those movies. Absolutely. I, he barely I, even wrote The Empire Strikes Back, did he? Like, I feel like he... Yeah, I don't I mean, know. I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't have screens. I don't know. I mean, he has story credit. I don't know that if he has... But I don't know that credit. he, like, wrote the screenplay. Um, But I, you know, and I think, like, thinking about this more recent trilogy, right, that's part of it is that I think, like, let other people... Yeah. Have like it, you know, I think what works about the original trilogy is or one of the things that works is that like a lot of different filmmakers yeah. worked on those movies and it was not George Lucas, you know, all and the also, way through. Like, I'm pretty sure Empire Strikes Back, like I think Lawrence Kasdan co wrote that. Yeah. He's a really good writer. Writer, yeah. I don't understand why they picked the dude that they brought in for the script on this, because what he wrote before was like the Warner Brothers superhero movies that yeah. are like also not good. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I. I mean, I don't hear. I mean, I'm not saying you write a bad movie, you should never work again. No, but maybe you not. should have to write some like good movies in between. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, uh. <laughs> maybe if you write a hundred million dollar movie that's not good, then you could write a few ten million dollar movies that are good yeah. before we do another hundred million dollar movie of yours that's not good. Because, I, I mean, like, obviously, they're going to make plenty of money, although not as much as they have in the past. And, you know, it's fine. But I do feel like they're now in a worse position going on to make other Star Wars movies, because I feel like people are just generally less excited about Star Wars after the way that this little arc ended. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I hope that they keep bringing in, like, new directors who have yeah. different ideas about... I feel what like Star Wars and stop firing people for having. I feel like they become every time something doesn't succeed, they become like more risk averse. Even though the things right. they don't succeed on, they don't succeed on because of being risk averse. I hope Mandalorian is because that's you know been pretty critically well acclaimed, and I, I think people are really into it. Yeah, and I think people really like it, and so I'm hoping that that maybe is a, a sign that people are ready for something different. And like I. You know, we talk about this a lot when we talk about expanded universe books, but they, like, use of, like, completely different genres, right? That, like, yeah, for sure. Star Wars doesn't have to be a new hope, right? It can be all these different, like, I want a Star Wars horror film. 100%. So the ingredients are there. <laughs> and I think people could do it. Like, it could be done. Um, and television, right, is, I guess, maybe a slightly less risky place to try yeah, those things out. Although I think Mandalorian like it looks spectacular. Like it must also, be pricey. and this is we talk about this all the time. <laughs> stand by it. Those Mandalorian episodes are like thirty to forty minutes. Done. <laughs> Just get it out. That's all it needs to be. <laughs> the original Star Wars movies aren't very long. Yeah, just like let's. You know, and obviously television is different. It's very, the show, the format of the show is, like, very serialized in the sort of, like, comic book kind of, like, 
there's an overarching story, but like adventure, adventure, adventure. Um, but like the sort of like let's like it, things don't need to be three hours long to be effective. No. Well, that's just in general. Like, let's just make no. Yeah, sure. no. That's a, that's, <laughs> like, a, that's not just that's across the board. <laughs> a, that is everywhere. Like, let's let's tighten it up. Yeah. Like, okay. So the Star Wars movies are done. Yeah. How how do you rank them from oh your favorite God. to your least favorite of Star all Wars nine movies? or also of all like nine? Rogue no, Rogue all nine. Rogue. Just oh the my nine. God. Like my personal favorite are what I think are the best. Your personal favorite. Okay. What are you the most excited to pop in and watch? It's gonna be four, five, six, which I know is like me too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> me too. Four, four five, five six. six. In that order. In that order, yes. I like A New Hope the best. Me too. Empire Strikes Back next. And then and Return of the Jedi third. Although, like, it's close. Like, there's not a huge gap of... No, for me, it's like a half step Step. between four and five. Yeah. And honestly, maybe just another little half step down to six. six. I do enjoy Return of the Jedi a lot. When I was younger, like, when I first got into Star Wars, I think Jedi was the one I watched the most. I think um, I had A New Hope on VHS first and watched it the most. I, like, really vividly remember the little, like, making of oh, the yeah. special edition mini documentary they put at the front yeah. of it on the VHS tape. Yeah, I had the, like, I had a special edition box of it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I think four, five, six. Mm-hmm. Seven. No, eight. Which one is that? Last Jedi. <laughs> the Last Jedi. Okay. <laughs> four, five, six, eight, seven. See, this is that word. It's real tricky. See, for me, I think it's for me, it's four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay. Like I do enjoy the Force Awakens a little more than the Last Jedi. I sure. think the Last Jedi is better, better. but mm-hmm. Force Awakens is just like lighter and easier yes. to watch, yeah, and just true. like you know, just a little more fun. Even though I do like the Last Jedi a lot, and I think it's a better movie, um, I do overall probably find the Force Awakens slightly more enjoyable. But it's pretty close between the two of those for yeah. me. Here's the problem now. Yeah, okay. Now we're in a challenging <laughs> position. We're in, we're in troubled waters. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> I think Rise of Skywalker is a better made movie than any of the prequels. But mm. it's definitely better acted although i overall do not fault the actors i think george lucas was directing people no, in yeah, very strange ways the, the i do not, do not carry these movies i don't think no i do not fault the actors but i i think that they're definitely better acted but and i think that they have better um like more clearly established stakes like i know that it's yeah. kind of trite at this point to make fun of like a trade blockade in the star wars universe but come on <laughs> <laughs> it's still pretty funny um, but like, because <laughs> I was a child when these people sure. came out and hadn't quite honed, I mean, we talked about this, I think, in the very first right. episode of this podcast, but like, when Phantom Menace came out, like, I was excited. <laughs> oh my god, I was so excited for the Phantom Menace. And I, I was don't like, remember thinking it was bad. I don't either. I don't I do. think... I, I think that I remember not liking it as much yeah. as the ones I had on VHS, but I didn't think it was bad. And I read like the Star Wars Diaries sure. in preparation and I. I was like ready to go. I definitely saw it in theaters multiple times. I did too. I saw it in theaters um, many a time. Um, and like the whole like excitement of like a new Star Wars film at that and age. Liam Liam Neeson is and Liam Neeson and Ewan Fantastic. McGregor are slam dunk castings. I love the the lightsaber fight. Yeah, Duel, Duel of Fates. Duel of the Fates is amazing. It's, it's great music. Pod racing. <laughs> <laughs> the pod racing video game was fantastic. The, the only reason that scene was even in the movie. Think. The Phantom Menace pinball machine yeah. was a delight. <laughs> the sort of subsequent Phantom Menace <laughs> things. Um, but, like, we were talking about this last week or recently about, and you were saying that you enjoy Attack of the Clones more than Phantom Menace. 
I do, yeah. And I was thinking about it, and I think, like, in high school, like, I think I probably did watch Attack of the Clones more, rewatched it more, than I rewatched I th- Phantom Menace. I find it more watchable, and, like, it is a nonsense movie, but, I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> like, like the Phantom Menace makes way more sense. Attack of the Clones follows the logic of a dream. Like, I mean, it is, it is Lynchian in its construction. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, but I, I am like generally amused by it. Ewan McGregor is very like confident in his role. He's great throughout all He's of them. He's really great. He's really um, those Natalie Portman's costumes I are. Mean, Amadala's costumes throughout all three of the prequels. Oh, absolutely! But I feel like, but I feel like they peak in Attack of the Clones. All the stuff on Naboo. (laughs) Why don't we go back to Naboo? We go to Tatooine all the time. No sense. Why is Naboo? We go to Tatooine in the Mandalorian. The trilogy ends back on (laughs) (laughs) Tatooine is. It's a hellhole. That is how they describe it. It's the New York City. <laughs> um, <laughs> There's only one place in the world. <laughs> it, it It's New York City, but it's only the Port Authority bus station. <laughs> it's a very specific reference. <laughs> yeah. If you've never been to New York. If you've never been to New York, you don't know how great it is to travel in and out via the Port Authority <laughs> bus station. Yeah. Which I have bus very to- rarely had to do. But I had to take a bus to the Catskills and back, and it was terrible. But yeah. um, um, mostly, I mean, the Catskills is not what it was. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I would put Attack of the Clones next. I, I would say I think in, four, five, six, seven, eight, two. See, uh, I think just personally, like I have a fondness for Phantom Menace that I can't. Defend. I think that's fair. Um, and so I think I would say four, five, what six. What specific? So just like the stuff that we named, like Duel of the Fates, and <laughs> I, don't know, I just like have a just an overall like fondness for the memory of the experience. Of the experience, yeah, I think in a way that like the time and the place reflects of yeah. nostalgia. It's yeah, reflects nostalgia. Where I was like, okay, like I, and like I, it was the last one that I don't think I looked at with a critical. Yeah. I, if that makes sense. Like, I. That makes total sense. That it, you know, they talk about this on How This Get Made. I think June mentions it, that, like, there was a time where you didn't realize that movies could be bad. Right. <laughs> that it was just, right, like, they were a just movie. Movies. And you just watched it because it was on. You're just so excited to watch a movie. It's a movie. It didn't matter what the movie was. And I think I was still at that, like, tipping over to the point where I was starting to get, have more opinions. But, like, at that point, I think I was still, like, this is great. I think <laughs> I think the reason why Attack of the Clones out outshines the Phantom Menace for me is that like I really didn't like Attack of the Clones initially and it kind of won me over across the years. I think it is the most blatantly like, ridiculous. Attack <laughs> of the Clones is the prequel movie that sort of like taught me how to watch the prequels cuz like for yeah. me and I understand there are a lot of people who even prefer the prequels yeah, and the prequels are what sure. they grew yeah, up with. You love, you but love. like for me, I did not love the prequels and I had to sort of like learn to enjoy them on their own terms. And I feel like yeah. Attack of the Clones was the gateway yeah. to that for me. And also it's like the movie where Anakin being an idiot has like the lowest stakes. Yeah. Like it's always a problem, right. but Anakin's just like stupidity and <laughs> naivety isn't that big of a deal, and everyone is constantly berating him for it throughout the movie. Yeah, and it cracks me up. <laughs> it is, yeah. So yeah, I think I would. I think so. Four, five, six, eight, seven, one, two. That's real close between Rise of Skywalker and so Revenge of the Sith. By the time that movie came out. I think I knew <laughs> that these were not good. Oh, I was like a senior in high school by the time it came out. Yeah, I was in college. Um, yeah. And I only saw it once in theaters, which for me at the time. I also saw it once in was theaters. Shocking. See, it's often considered the best of the prequels. I don't, I don't agree. Is. I think it's the worst. I also think it's the worst. I would go four, five, six, seven, eight. Two, one, 
and three. Yeah. And I, because for me, the problem with Revenge of the Sith is that it is like a goofy, clumsy, stupid movie that's trying to deal with like such serious stuff. Like when you make it about such weighty stuff and then it's still so stupid (laughs) that it's harder for me to deal with. Like, like Anakin like kills a bunch of children. It's like the worst thing you can do. Yeah. And it's just, like, in a dumb little nothing movie. It's like the third Twilight movie having, like, a rape story in it. Like, you are not a good enough movie. You are not equipped to deal with what you're trying to do. Um, So, yeah. I think that – but, like, we're very close. We're very much in – Yeah, I think we're, we're, you know – Very much, very much close. Yeah. Very aligned. I haven't watched The Phantom Menace since we watched it years and years ago. Or any of those since we watched them. I recently rewatched several of them. Or actually, I watched Attack of the Clones and then the original trilogy. And I didn't watch, I don't think I watched it, anything else. Um, but maybe I should go back to Phantom Menace sometime. I mean, the Jar Jar of it all is very challenging for me. Yeah. Like, I have, I have a real hard time with that. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, he's- It's real tough. It really detracts. Yeah. And, and when I was a kid, he didn't. When I was a kid, he didn't bother me so much. But yeah. he's hard. He's hard, and he's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess ultimately, we're given the Rise of Skywalker pretty serious thumbs down since we just ranked it yeah. eighth out of nine <laughs> Star Wars movies. And obviously, like these are our opinion. Like I know, I yeah. know people who really enjoyed absolutely that film and. um and good. It's always more fun to enjoy a thing. Yeah. 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 Like, I don't want to not. But, not, like, so. no, I like, you know, I work, I put some effort into enjoying it while I was watching it, but. Yeah, it's not one to, that I'm going I to. I don't. Yeah, it's, I'm not. There was just no, no joy. I found it to be without joy. Yeah. And for me, Star Wars is primarily about joy. Right, yeah. It should be fun. And that's why, like, I think something like The Mandalorian is so great. Because it's like, oh, this is, like, a lot of fun. Yeah. It's like, let's have a good time. It's a lot of fun. Let's go. And I got choked up by the end. So, like. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's all I can. <laughs> <laughs> what else can you want? Also, it's just so let good. Taika Waititi direct all the things. Just put Taika Waititi in charge. Give in Disney. Charge. Give Disney to Taika Waititi. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like they might. They should, if they've got any sense. Just, like, give it all. There's talk of him doing uh, doing a Star Wars film now. I want Taika Waititi to just be in charge of all media. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, give it give it all. Give it yeah. to Taika Waititi. I believe in him. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we will be back soon with... Something very exciting. Well, we'll definitely be back soon with the Cloud City one, because we read and recorded that episode months ago (laughs) it's like big in the can it's just like been literally sitting in the can for for like eight weeks you know how like if you have a thing to do the longer you don't do it the easier it is to not not do it it. yeah like it just hasn't it just hasn't been posted but it totally will be and then that gives us time to read i don't know something about crystal reef Crisis in Crystal Reef or something like that. Yeah. I'm literally looking at it from Cal- here, but like I'm calamity at Crystal <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I wanted to be called Calamity so bad. <laughs> Conundrum <Yeah>. at Crystal Reef. <laughs> the Crystal Reef caper. <laughs> the calamitous caper of Crystal Reef. I think that's a Nancy Drew. I'm pretty yeah, sure. I'm trying to think of other <laughs> Yeah, something about Crystal Reef. There's a problem on Crystal Reef. And we're going to solve it. No, I don't think we will. <laughs> I don't think we will. Also, I'm not 100% sure there is a problem because these books. Uh, I wouldn't count on it. Stakes are- this is like the closest these books have come to like beating us. It's like we read two out of three of each other's books. And, like, and we just left like- for three months. And we're like, no, no, no. <laughs> Pulled a full Luke Skywalker. Yeah, like we need to take a nap. This is what this is why Luke's a terrible teacher. You spend like a little bit of time with these kids and you're like, Jesus God, could you people get out of here? Fall into a coma. 
Um, yes, yeah, so we'll be back. Finn is just terrible. Um, and then coming soon. Other things. Other things. We've talked about what they are. <laughs> it's happening yeah. soon. <laughs> other things are happening soon. <laughs> yeah, so we'll have episodes of things. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we're 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 here. Good to good to check in. Good to good to talk. <laughs> yeah, great to see you. Good to see you. <laughs> Good to check in. We talk literally every day, but like, good to good to talk on microphones. Yeah. So yeah, we'll be back with books and other sundries. Yeah, books and etc. Alrighty, bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you would like more information, please check out our website, adolescenceafteralderon.wordpress.com, for show notes and info about upcoming episodes. We're also on Twitter, after underscore Alderon. We're on Instagram, Adolescence After Alderon. And if you would like to touch base with us, ask questions, participate in the conversation, you can email us at adolescenceafteralderon at gmail.com. Thanks so much. <laughs>